On today's episode, Josh and I are here to talk about, well, the inevitable. Uh, Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James tried to, like, brawl it out. We'll talk about that, um, of course. And we also got Clay's uh, impending or soon-coming return to the, uh, shall I say, red-hot 15-2 Warriors, Luke Walton uh, being fired in Sacramento, and supposedly a short, fun, fast trivia. Next. Welcome back, everyone, to the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Trevor. And today, like Trevor said, we're just going to hop right into what has to be talked about is it's probably, I mean, it's the biggest talking point in the NBA all week, which, hey, fortunately, something happened for us on Sunday night instead of happening on uh, Tuesday. Like, how about that? But for anyone who didn't see, last night, uh, the Detroit Pistons were playing the Los Angeles Lakers, not a game that should inspire headlines. However, uh, somewhere around mid-game, I don't remember, was it the third quarter, Trevor? Third quarter? It was third quarter-ish. It was like early to mid-third quarter, yes. Yeah. Um, LeBron James made contact with Isaiah Stewart uh, following a free throw. I'm just going to say made contact now, and then we'll get into the discussion. Um, cutting open Isaiah Stewart's eye and mouth. Isaiah Stewart then proceeded to, for several minutes, try his best to get at LeBron James. Um, and I mean several minutes, at one point sprinting along the court, knocking down staffer and coach and player, um, really just breaking tackles like Marshawn Lynch in that NFC wildcard game uh, in an attempt to get to LeBron James. In probably the most wild scene we've seen in a long time. Uh, fast forward to tonight, uh, Monday, where we're recording. LeBron James has been issued a one-game suspension uh, for his role, and Isaiah Stewart has been issued a two-game suspension. Unfortunately, uh, we can't call it Malice at the Palace 2.0 uh, because they're not at the Palace at Arlington Hills anymore. Um they're in the Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, and for the life of me, I couldn't find something to rhyme with Caesars, so we're just not going to go anywhere with that. But <laughs> with that being said, Trevor, what was your initial reaction? Uh, were you watching the game? I wouldn't be surprised if not. I mean, it is the Pistons. Um, what did you think as that was happening? So my first reaction was, uh, thank goodness for social media and for group chats, because no, I was uh, not watching. I was watching Sunday night football. Shame on me, right? As a Lakers fan. Yeah. My actual first reaction as I was finding out about it live is I was getting the cut and angles and side shots and all these different things. And by the way, I'm going to take the NBA side on this. I know you're joking about the Malice and Palace Caesars rhyme <laughs> comment, but I'm going to take the side of the NBA and I'm going to say I'm glad that we did not have a Malice 2.0 uh, as much of a black ball as that might have been. I would love to have seen something wild, maybe, but not necessarily in that light. Um, no, actually, on a, on a more funny note, though, my initial first reaction as it was happening, as we started getting more angles of the arena, you know, they have all these cameras everywhere, these reporters, these guys with phones on every corner and area and booth. 
Kate Cunningham should absolutely get a tryout for the Lions because he single-handedly prevented this from getting any worse. And for those that might not see it, we retweeted it yesterday. Um, I guess it would have been last night. So when we were recording this on Monday, the 22nd. But yeah, Kate Cunningham single-handedly held back Stewart for about 15 seconds straight, kept pulling him back and kept bringing him down. Obviously, he didn't tackle him. The Lions can't tackle either. That's the joke. But it, it was just wild to to see all these different like just perspectives and i saw shots from the floor i saw shots from the catwalk i saw saw shots from like you know different parts of the arena where the announcers were but just first reactions it's not good i didn't like any of, of it obviously we'll get to the the details and uh, and what it entails for the suspensions in a moment but i just i wasn't happy to see it quite frankly from either side regardless if it was lebron the lakers it doesn't matter it, it's just it was exciting for the sense that we haven't had anything like this in a while, but it's just such a, such a bad look, such a bad, poor, poor Detroit, regardless of the outcome, regardless of who started it. Like it seems like something's always happening for Detroit. It seems like always is bad. Well, it's, it's interesting because that game was actually going well for Detroit. They uh, had the Lakers very much on their heels and following the uh, LeBron James, Isaiah Stewart, I'll say scuffle, uh, the Lakers were able to come back and get a narrow victory. Uh, now, the fact that the Lakers are having to pull a narrow victory against the Pistons, the team that's probably the worst in the NBA right now, uh, well, worst offense at the very least, is a topic for a different day. But let's kind of break this down as we go piece by piece. Do you think that what started all LeBron James kind of contact or backhand to Isaiah Stewart's face was intentional? So initially, in the first probably three hours of the interaction, uh, from when it happened to when I went to bed on Sunday night, my answer was no. Upon having some time today to reflect on it and having the time to rewatch it, listen to people's opinions, kind of just understand really what fully happened from you know AD saying this and this guy saying that, I really do actually think it was intentional, unfortunately. But I just... I think, yes, I think it was, inter- I just can't understand it. I can't understand the intention of it. Like there's going to be this stupid narrative by like the middle of tomorrow, right. Where it's like, you did it fire up his teammates. LeBron did this. So he always has this moment where he does this thing where he tries to fire. Up. No, I think it's stupid. I think it's stupid. No matter what, it, it's not a good look for him, especially with all the stuff with Cantor and, and LeBron and now Stewart and LeBron just, he needs to just cool it. Let's just let's let's win some games. All right. First of all, this team can't this team can't beat Detroit in Detroit when they did once King James was off the court. Yeah, it's like it's cool. Like he needed to be off the court, clearly, or else they weren't gonna get the win. But can we like throw them in panic sec or panic button next next month? Like if we're the savior of, of a team, when we throw them in panic button and this team well beyond, like we can get to them later in a few weeks when we really do hit the panic button on them, probably, but I just I'm 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 disappointed. Not only as a I'm a Lakers fan, clearly to the listeners might not know that I'm a Lakers fan. I have been, but the point being is I'm disappointed as a as a fan of LeBron, who historically up until the last couple of years has been pretty good about keeping his name out of the media for bad press. You know the boys and girls club stuff in Cleveland, the rebuilding of an entire school system, the donations of like it was like a thousand bikes to kids in his neighborhood to get them to be able to transfer tape to and from in schools like there's all kinds of stuff he's been doing the movies the whatever this in a november game that quite frankly there was probably 40 people watching 
like, I just can't fathom why it was on purpose. Like, I genuinely think it was on purpose and I genuinely can't understand why. And I, maybe you can help me. I don't know. Yeah, so I definitely agree with you that I think, um, based off seeing a few angles that I think LeBron did do it intentionally, I don't think it's that deep of a reason from what I can tell. Uh, Isaiah Stewart got a little physical on the block, um, pushing a box out against LeBron. LeBron, I think, got off balance and got a little frustrated. And at that moment, he decided to kind of whip his hand down um, in the direction of – he knew it was in the direction of Isaiah Stewart. He probably knew it was in the direction of his face. Um, But he decided to kind of strike back at Stewart in frustration that he was kind of getting bodied off the block. Um, I know there's been some debate amongst analysts of was what Stewart was doing and pushing James off the block a foul? Was it just aggressive boxing out? doesn't really matter. Um, LeBron kind of struck at him. I thought the league kind of did the correct thing with LeBron. He was ejected for a flagrant two, which it was. Um, He was issued a one-game suspension for kind of throwing a backhand at Isaiah Stewart. Is it a one-game suspension if things don't blow up? Probably not, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, that part was handled appropriately. So I think there's two things to to just like brush over it to the point where like, I think this is forgotten about by tomorrow. By the time this episode goes up, no. is probably when this starts to settle down. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't understand. It, it, should, it should be clearly like, I, I think it should have settled down by the middle of this week. I understand why it's not. But my point being is that we've all played pickup basketball. And I think the more I thought about it, I still can't understand why LeBron did it. Let, let's just move on from that. What it was and what I, from what I understand from listening to the interviews of who was on the floor at the time is a, we've all played pickup, right? You accidentally hit a guy or you accidentally elbow the guy. You accidentally swat, you know, for the ball, you miss, you hit a shoulder, hit an eye, hit a whatever. It happens, right? Pickup basketball, whatever. Hey, bro, my bad, my bad, bad. You're good, right? Yeah, but before you go down this road, this is not that. This was ruled by the NBA referees. Like, it's not like a matter of opinion. It was ruled by the NBA referees as a non-basketball play. It wasn't like an accidental swat and you missed, you hit that. No, he he swung his arm to hit Isaiah Stewart, whether it was in the face or not. He intentionally did do that. Right. And the normal intention of whether he did it like that or not, the point being is in that situation where where it de-escalates is – let's say it was accidental, right? You go and Stewart probably comes up to him and he's like, Hey bro, like you got a moment to it, but like he was trying to give him a chance to apologize, but it clearly, because it was that obviously intentional. Like I said, that's why I had time to reflect on it because at first I was like, I thought Stewart came at him like that and was like, you know, you had your chance, you had your this to apologize, whatever. But like the more you go back and watch it, like for anybody that might not really fully have watched it, like, Stewart was about that life. Like Stewart was about that life, ready to run through the tunnel, run straight. He knew the path right back to the Lakers side. Like it was like, he was beyond frustrated because I get it. It was, it was, it's a bad play, right? The loser of the situation is the whole situation, right? It's it's LeBron, it's Stewart, everyone, the whole situation is a loser. If you're going winner loser here, that's why I brought this up. Winner is social media. Social media had a, had went to, town with this whole ordeal the angles the memes the k cunningham stuff with the lions i saw that and i was like it has to be mentioned at least once but just social media had had just the time of their life with this and i don't encourage it but i do think it's at least funny it's like poking the bull a little bit but man it's just yeah not not a good look and i'm 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 disappointed and i'm just it's stupid. It's stupid that this team, we're going to look back at this when they lose in the second round of the playoffs and we're like, 
You know what was stupid? Intentionally hitting someone in the face in a November game. It's dumb. They're nine and nine. Get it together. Yeah, so it's just not a good look for LeBron. Not a good look for the Lakers, especially in the fact that um, lost in the shuffle of this. LeBron James was ejected. Isaiah Stewart was ejected. Russell Westbrook was issued a technical foul because Russell Westbrook also decided he was going to try to fight Isaiah Stewart in the aftermath. Um, so that that was good from a Lakers perspective. Uh, yeah, basically, eventually as de-escalated, they get them out of the court. Um, mentioned also Isaiah Stewart was issued a two-game suspension, which was frankly a shorter suspension for him than I was expecting uh, for all that. Um, I think the NBA wants to make this a small thing and move on. Uh, as far as I've seen, I've seen no public comments from Isaiah Stewart yet. Uh, public comments from LeBron James, which I want to get your reaction to whether you've seen it or not. Uh, LeBron stated, one, he wants to move past this, but two, he won't, he's not ever going to play on a basketball court with Isaiah Stewart on it again. <laughs> Statement from LeBron James. Um, so is LeBron just sitting out all the Pistons games now? Or is... I mean, it's just he's setting up the uh, imminent just understanding of, like, he's going to rest and next time they play the Pistons. They honestly might not even play the Pistons again. I have no idea. The comments are dumb. I do at least like – I don't even know if I like this entirely, but I do like the attempt he supposedly was trying to uh, – that night trying to get Stewart's phone number and reach out and apologize. It's, I don't know. It's just stupid. I, I Everything about it, I hate it. It's just not something you do when you have a team that's supposedly supposed to have some good chemistry going through you know, this early on in the season. I'm sorry. Just like, where did, where was the Lakers supposed to have good chemistry? The team is like, the team was ripped to shreds last year. So it's like a hodgepodge of plays. These guys get along. Together. They can't have chemistry. They're building it and they're getting along. And Melo is being yeah, they got the best locker room guy. Like, we're not is, talking this, like this Milwaukee not... that's been together chemistry. This is the Lakers yeah. just been thrown together. My point is that was the thing that they had going for them as they're getting better. And clearly they're not going to get better unless something like this just goes wrong and then they're able to come back from a 20-point deficit. My point being is this is something you don't want when you're trying to build chemistry, when you have a guy like Melo who did nothing in that situation other than keep it calm. Like My point is, is this chemistry is not perfect. I'm, I'm just saying they have to be able to rely on that if this team's going to be any good. And what I – what I see as a major red flag is when you're nine and nine in November and you've got three of the best 20 players on the planet, whether it be in prime or not in prime, 25 players, whatever you have three of the best players on the planet and you can't win it. Almost you can't, you can win this game clearly, but you can't almost win a game like this when it's just every bit of it is stupid. I'm frustrated beyond belief as a fan, just as, as a supporter of somebody like LeBron, I have been over the last 20 years. It's stupid. Every bit of it's stupid, and this team needs to get a complete and utter 180 of what they've got going, what they have going on, because the chemistry. What I, I mentioned the chemistry piece, because even though yes, it's a November you know 22nd, they don't have perfect chemistry. My point being is this team has it, and they can continue to build it, and they continue to get on this roll. But when you have stuff like this happen, it ruins every bit of that. Is my point to clarify on the chemistry part of it. But it's just stupid. It sucks, and I hate every bit of it. All right. Um, I'm going to quit needling you because I was going to push to see um, how much I could get about the Lakers. But 
to be to be clear by the way i want to be clear to you and everyone i'm not i'm more mad at the fact that this team like i looked at it from the fan perspective a little bit more than i should have like when i first reacted of course the nba podcast or the nba whatever you want to call us like i was disappointed in the situation i was disappointed in stewart disappointed in lebron disappointed in the lakers how they handled it I was more disappointed in the fact that this is not something that needs to happen for a team that's this bad through this point of the season. That's the point I'm trying to make is I'm, I'm more frustrated at the fact that this is just stupid for the act of the fact it doesn't matter and it shouldn't matter. We should be moved on from it, even though it was stupid. And we should probably still be talking about it through the middle of this week. I get it. Well, that's stupid. It's the media. So anyway, I'm just frustrated. Hopefully we look back on this in you know, 60 days and we're like, well, that was dumb, but look at them now. They're third in the West. Whatever, right? It is what it is. Can we move on to a team that's actually good in the West? <laughs> so, and what I mean by that uh, to the Westerners that might not be realizing that the Warriors are 15 and two. And uh, the real reason we're actually bringing the segment up is not, and that's no disrespect to the 15 and two Warriors, but we're actually bringing this up because Clay is returning very soon, actually. Um, what I call very soon here, I'm going to quote Anthony Slater, uh, who's a Warriors reporter for the Athletic. In quotes or quote, Clay Thompson fully cleared for practice. This was as of today, uh, fully cleared for practice after strong scrimmage week last week and has entered final ramp up stage, which trends toward a Warriors return within the week of Christmas. Before I ask you any of the questions I have prepared about the Warriors that we've not disrespected, but not given enough airtime to yet. Uh, because they are doing very, very, very well. Um, your first reaction to Clay coming back a little earlier than we thought. Was it earlier? I thought it was right on schedule. Was January? So we were anywhere between – we had when we had uh, Brett on, we were anywhere between – Christmas was best-case scenario, yeah. but ideally was All-Star break. Like All-Star break so was what we thought for the longest best time. Best-case scenario. We are at best-case scenario, which is what yeah. I was – which is why I brought this up initially yeah. to you the other day. I was like, this is kind of a big deal because we're not even – we're, le- we're more than a month away from Christmas. We're recording this, you know, what, 30 some odd days or, you know, 29. Well, we're like, well, we're like barely over a year since the injury, like just a couple days. Um, it's been a long comeback for Clay, um, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I haven't seen Clay Thompson play basketball since uh, 2019. So, so- and the reason I brought this up is 2019 wrong. It was no, it was 2019. That was the yeah, last time he yeah. truly played. I brought this up because I think it's 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 a reflect of the fact that we are talking about the 15 and two Warriors here as of tonight. But does it not feel early for a team that doesn't need them right now? Like I, that's why I'm bringing this up. Like it doesn't matter. But to wait till the All Star break. We don't need no. If it's not. Like if he's medically fine, there's no reason to like hold like make him not play. Like if he's going through full practices and scrimmages, that's not any less dangerous than playing the game. Yeah. Frankly, it's not like we're talking about football here where they don't really hit each other in practice. In basketball, they're like they're having full contact practices. Um, he's going out there. If you're fine, you get him back in there and you try to get him into. Uh, game mode. You got to get him ready. Got to get him caught up. I guess just my thought process is like, yes, it's like he's already starting to do that, and Christmas is still a month away. So really, it is, I guess, not quote too early. But unless they go on some weird slide, like 
they quite frankly don't need him yet. Like it's one of those things like they could use him absolutely. And they want to get him back into it where if we've got Steph playing this great, I mean, right now I'm, I would think he's top two or three in MVP, if not the favorite, we were calling him the favorite last week, but I mean, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be good to have him back. I just, I'm no MD. Like there's no doctor behind my name or before my name, but I just, yes. Like if you're playing these scrimmages and you, you're getting into these game shapes and game form, I just still can't overlook the scary factor of the fact that he has done it twice in two years. And it's like, we haven't seen a full healthy clay. Like there, there has to be a point where like, it's, it's at least concerning slightly. And that's where I am in 30 days. I might be not the case, right. I might be looking forward to a Christmas return. I hope he returns on Christmas to be clear. I mean, we're looking at a 13 month recovery. That is taking your time. They, they took their time. It's not, he hasn't been rushed back. And at some point you have to play. If you hold him out longer, you're like, okay, we're just holding him out longer, but then you're still going to be afraid about playing him when he comes back. Yeah. He has to play at some point. Absolutely. And there's a caution against rushing a guy back, but there should be no reason a team should just hold someone out if they are 100% healthy. And they're, and they're clicking and firing. And it's not like you put him in there and you start, even if you start with a minutes restriction, like I guess the, the, the silver lining here is that Warriors fans have nothing to complain about because 15 and two, and you're slowly using clay back in within the next 30 days. It's, it's, it's going to transition me to my first question right now. Are they favorite to win the West? Now, probably. Yeah. Now, I mean, they look like the 2015 Warriors. That's right. I'm tired of that comparison. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. <laughs> I've been giving you that comparison since the preview when I said they were trying to run it back. I'm so sick of it. They're better and than that. I they think. are. Frankly. I think they're better than that. I really do. Um, they lead the league in scoring. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and they're honestly playing incredible defense. Yeah. That's why I mentioned I think they were better than that. I think the defense is eye opening. This is the best Draymond we've had since. Yeah, I'm then. just gonna yeah, react to you realize like they are giving they are scoring the most points in the league on average and giving up the least on average. Correct. They're first right. in both categories. Um not only are That's they first in those, they're also second in rebounding, which I thought was a big uh red flag for them coming into the season. I'm glad that they're proving me wrong there. Uh, first in assists per game. So it's not just one guy log jamming at all. Like, you know, say Steph, uh, they're second in steals to back you up on the defensive point. First in field goal percentage, first in total three pointers made fourth in three point percentage and first in total plus minus with 13. They're the only team above 10. Um, that's what I would call utter dominance through 17 games, <laughs> which is why yeah. I think, I think this defense is faster, stronger and better in 2015 and that's not a disrespect 2015 that's just a test of how good this young core is and this is like we're like getting a sprinkle of like Kuminga they haven't got really anything out of Moody yet they're getting guys like Poole right Jordan Poole they're getting guys like Jeremiah Greenback right they're getting Iguodala the fact that I'm even mentioning Andre Iguodala at 37 years old or 36 years old right he's missed the last couple of games with some knee injuries but when he's played it's been important minutes so let him like play you know, 31 2015 Warriors. Yeah, it's literally, it's, it, I, I know, it's just, I'm sick of the comparisons of like old teams. And it, just, it is what it is. This team's faster and younger and better. And I, I it's, it's going to be exciting to see my follow up question for you, <laughs> which is why I brought them up and how, why this 15 2 start is so impressive. The Suns, the other team in their division that 
I know your opinion of them and the listeners might, if they've been around for the last couple of weeks, both of those teams look like the best two teams in that division, clearly, right? But which do you feel better about going into the playoffs in the next few months? Is it the Warriors still, or is it the Suns team that's just continuing to look like they're the best team coming out of the West like last year? Um, it's the team that's first in basically every basketball category. It's not, as of right now, it's not a hard question. Um, I just want to know where the Suns is coming from. That's all. It, the Suns have kind of snuck up on me that they've continued to play better. I still don't know what I'm seeing that's all that different from last year. And maybe not different from last year is a good thing for the Suns. I just not. think that last year's team kind of skated by on the fact that other teams got hurt and they stayed healthy and kind of zipped through the Western Conference that way. That could happen again. Maybe durability is all you need. They're beating teams in that same top five uh you know, scoring margin that the Warriors are. And that's why I brought it up because I think it's a good comparison now because I think they're going to be – I think they're going to be the two teams you know, looking down here uh, from first and second in the next couple of weeks and months because this is you're getting the best possible, you know, Chris Paul you possibly can at this age of his career. But just you're getting the best of both roles from your two top lead guards and you're getting a great defensive roster who can win games that could get big shots. These two teams are going to kill each other if they play each other in the playoff series. It's it's just I brought it up now because I think it's going to be something we look back on. And yes, they play the Warriors four times in the regular season because they're in the same division. Correct, I know, and they've only played four. each other, I believe, once. I don't think they've even they might not have even played yet. Actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. If they have played, then Golden State won because I know who Golden State's two losses are. Okay, well then there you go. Um, one of them is Charlotte. Just let yeah. Everyone know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I was waiting. I was like, there's my um and, and gap for you. And I'm glad the you other one's it. Memphis. So shout out to John Morant. Yeah. Um, I believe he dropped like 35 that game, too. Um, yeah. Really, the Warriors, it's just that the questions were, it's, weren't too like in depth. It's just a matter of like, we want this glimpse of like why this team looks good. And we've really given them that. And to think that Clay's coming back in 30 days is just ridiculous. So shout out to Brett for, uh, for giving us that, the insight on the Warriors. For those that might not listen to that episode, please go back and listen to that. Uh, and shout out for Brett Siegel predicting the Warriors would win the Western Conference. So and Steph to be a big is coming, and we yeah. really questioned it that day. I definitely. Well, let's let's transition to a more somber note. Um. In Almost the Western Conference, we're going to stay a little in the more Western depressing Conference. than what this is actually going to be about. To preface everyone, <laughs> somber is a nice word. So, I transition here because, and first of all, we we people people were probably like, "Why are they talking about the East so much?" Like, literally, we've given the West like no conversation this year, and uh, here we are. The West is the only thing we talk about today. Awesome. On a sad, 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 somber note, Josh, uh, I'm going to read you a few things about this that you may not have found out that blew my mind. So kind of, so Luke Walton, for those of might not know, uh, has been the, whatever you want to call him, the first coach fired, right. Or, or that's just the simple term, right. There's a lot of funny names you could say, but the first coach fired uh, for the six and 11 start Sacramento Kings. Um, but before losing seven of the last eight, they were five and four and their offense looked really good with Halliburton and Davion Mitchell. Fox, it's another uh, conversation for later. Did you realize that Walton was the 11th head coach since they made the playoffs in 2006? That was the last time they made the playoffs. 11th head coach. 
That's almost a coach, almost a coach every year and like some change. This is the stat that just why I even want to have this conversation. And I'm just, if there's a single, a singular Kings fan out there, we'd love you. And please just, just hang in there. It's going to get better. If you're a fan of a different team, shockingly that Bill Walton, Josh has the second highest winning percentage uh, you said Kings. Bill Walton. That's I'm sorry. That's sorry. <laughs> Son Luke Walton has the second highest winning percentage in franchise history. Do you want to take a guess what that number is? I'll give you a hint. Oh, you were fair. Wow. You were very close. It was 4.422. Oh, so close. Second highest. Below 500. It's the second highest winning. Now, granted, small-ish sample size. Two and a half seasons, basically. Three seasons, we're going to call it for the fun. My only question for you is, I asked you this a month and a half ago. What gets better for Sacramento? What has to happen? They are becoming the Detroit Lions. I think they're becoming worse than the Detroit Lions. They're worse than the Detroit Lions. At this point, I don't even know what to tell you, like what to give you, what to – this team's bad and has been my entire life. I think they just need Not to get out of life. Sacramento. Well, I guess I was like four when they were <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, peak there at the uh, beginning of the 2000s. But do they have to get out of Sacramento? Is that where we've gotten to? Oh, it has nothing to do with the city. Um, does everything Something to do with has the to ownership. change. <laughs> what? Something has to change. I, I, the yeah. ownership. Like, nothing will change in Sacramento until somebody else owns that team. Um, no disrespect to Vladi Divac and his ownership team, but I don't think I've ever seen a team be more mismanaged than the Sacramento Kings. 11 coaches in 16 years. If I asked you to name a star player just or name a player that you associate with the Sacramento Kings from that period of time that doesn't current that has been there like you associate with that team with at least five years playing for the Sacramento Kings could you do that are you talking about the I last could. five years you talking about the last five no years? like over since 2006 name a player who you're like that guy when I think of him that's Sacramento Kings and he spent like at least five years with the Kings so it was like saying don't name De'Aaron Fox or somebody like that. DeMarcus Cousins, that's disrespectful. Yeah, but here's the thing. What did they do with that? Nothing. (laughs) They ran him off. Like, they made him upset, traded him, and his career went downhill after. No, okay. So funny you say that. I'm just getting started. The DeMarcus Cousins, right? That's that's one, right? Buddy Hield has now been there for, I believe this will be his fifth season. So I'm just going to read you. First round pick since 2006, quickly. Quincy Doobie, Spencer Halls, Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing Jr. I'm just, this is first or second round. I'm just reading you picks for the example. It'll make, it'll make sense to just small. Quincy, this is from 2006 on, from the year they made the playoffs. They had a couple before that. But Quincy Doobie, Spencer Halls, Patrick Ewing Jr., Sean Singletary, Jason Thompson, Omri Caspi, Tyreek Evans, Hassan Whiteside, Demarcus Cousins, Isaiah Thomas, Tyler Honeycutt, Bismack Biombo, Orlando Johnson, Thomas Robinson, Ray McCallum Jr., 
We're up to 2013, Josh. Ben McLemore, Nick Stauskas, Willie Cauley-Stein, Isaiah Cousins. I guess they thought a Cousins would work out again at the 59th overall pick. Marquise Chris, Frank Mason III, Zach Collins, De'Aaron Fox, Gary Trent Jr., Marvin Bagley. I'm going to skip that name because he was the 60th pick and I can't pronounce it. I can't pronounce that one. Oh, no. Ignis Brastakis, Justin James, Kenyon Martin Jr., Jameis Ramsey, Jamias Ramsey, Xavier Tillman, and Tyrese Halliburton. Now, some now, this of the is garbage. Some of the players you named were not actually drafted by the Kings. The Kings picked them for somebody else a trade had been executed. So they weren't actually Kings picks. And so there were also some Kings picks that you didn't include that were left out of there. But your point's made. Thank you. <laughs> so where are we to the point? Like ownership, obviously, that's something that legitimately, unless something major changes, like well, that can't right change. Now, like, Deer and Fox is supposed to be your star, right? Supposed yes. to be. I'm going to take – I know you want to talk about how he's had this historic drop-off this year. But before this, Deer and Fox is your star guard. So what do you do in the first round of the last two years' drafts? You draft two point guards. What are you doing? Like, who are they supposed to build with? And beyond that, they drafted Marvin Bagley ahead of Luka Doncic. Andrew Young. Andrew Young, yeah, that's beyond the point. Just adding it's and now, like, but but they drafted him, and now they don't even play him because they're having the spat where they don't get along, and they won't trade him for assets either. So he's just sitting there. It's bad. They dished out this massive contract to Harrison Barnes. I'm going to talk about 2015 Warriors. Um, Buddy Heal is only going to like be able to contribute as he's only going to be able to contribute as like a star starter for your team for only so much longer. Wouldn't be surprised if he wants to get out. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last draw for De'Aaron Fox. So really all you're left with in Sacramento is Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell. And an ownership that has squandered every talent they've had over the past 16 years. Which, by the way, like those two are really good. And if, if you have to dismantle, I'm, I'm going to give King Tennis before I say anything else positive. Um, to the new listeners this episode, this is the only segment that I can remember that we've ever, whether it's malicious or not, we've ever kicked a team while they're completely and utterly down. It doesn't happen often. But it's deserved for the Kings fans, for the Kings Not kicking the team. I think the players have some talent. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm kicking the – I'm saying the team, like, as an organization. Oh, yeah. This yeah. Is, oh, this is fully and utterly a kick to every part that I'm not going to say. So, it's the testament that if you have to reset, I'm okay with Davion Mitchell and, and Tyrese Halliburton. Those two are going to be a really good duo for hopefully together in Sacramento a long time. Davion Mitchell is right now all defensive first team or second team. He's one of the two. It's whether he plays and continues to play into that role. He's definitely all rookie team. It's just a matter of where. I, I can't, I can't keep looking at the like this pick list to my right. And I'm going, and yes, I missed a few nonetheless. But my point being, it's such a deep-rooted problem that at this point, like. It's just got to have to – this needs to be the next team that will – when we use the word implode, like we think the Pelicans will probably be that team. Like they need to completely and utterly implode. And if that means new ownership, new location, new branding, 
you only keep Tyrese Halliburton and Davion Mitchell, good. Get rid of everyone. If you if you've been in this office, if you've been a if you've been in a Kings office prior to this year, up until this point, you're gone. Because that's at this point, Josh. I can't give you another thing. I keep looking at the trade machine, going, "This could work out for this. They could get this for Bagley." It, it's like literal worst case scenario, and I just I have nothing else for you. Well, it's hard to build a team when the star players always become end up being disenfranchised with the ownership. I don't know why that keeps happening. Boston Celtics have had that problem with point guards. Yeah. Just as a comparison. The Kings have um, no problem with point guards, clearly. <laughs> no, they have a big man issue, but... Yeah, it's beside the point. <laughs> I guess the... Like, I just... I keep looking at the replacement. Because we haven't even mentioned who, who's replacing Luke Walton. The whole reason we brought this segment up. Luke Walton was the... Was well, the, who's replacing? It's Alvin Gentry. It's Alvin Gentry. I don't, and that's what I was getting to. It's like... You then, who's by the way, an interim there? Like, I, I get it. You, you take the guy that's there already, or the guy that's yeah, able to come in quickly. But I'm not giving Alvin Gentry much credit for his, for his prior successes. I don't. I'm not thrilled with the replacement. So you replace a guy, which I, I I've liked Luke Walden. I honestly thought at first they shouldn't have got rid of him in L.A. But this this is the second time Luke's been able to be the fall guy and. At this point, like Gentry's not any better. <laughs> you just had to do something. They just had to just get rid of somebody somehow, some way to try to change this. And GM Monty McNair just this was just the first straw. He hasn't really made any adjustments really as his couple years as GM. So I don't know. I'm just I, I think we've come to the conclusion together that that the Halliburton and, and Davion Mitchell tree or duo are the only thing left for Kings fans from now on this point forward. So I'm sorry. Well, it's it's, quite it's a bit a of turmoil apology. before they, quite a bit of turmoil before they get to just that. So, yeah, we'll leave it. We'll leave the King stuff for rest because we'll need something to talk about this off season, and we can probably do an entire episode on what we would do to change and uproot and declutter that entire franchise. I'd love but, to see the Kings turn a corner. I just don't see it coming anytime soon. Oh, I would too. Regardless of the division that they're in, and as much as I, you know, have wanted to root against them, I. Absolutely loaded. It sucks. It, sucks. it sucks for them in every way. <laughs> it sucks for them every way, and it's okay. Kings fans, the Warriors, will be Clippers, okay. Lakers, Suns, and Kings uh, <laughs> in the Pacific Division. Trivia, shall we? Yeah. Um. So, trivia question this week is not extensive. Quite frankly, Trevor may. Who knows? Maybe he knows this right off the top of his head. And we'll dish it out really quickly. Maybe he doesn't. It'd be so simple it'll bother. Um, Trevor has the opportunity for one point um, this week. As the winner of last year's trivia competition, I get to set basically the state of how many points are going to be offered every week. Um, so there's one question for one point. It's very simple. Going on the theme of coaches being fired. Really, my question, because when we came up with this topic, I'm like, okay, this is interesting to talk about now. And I was thinking, how long are we going to remember that Luke Walton was fired in the middle of November? Two coaches were fired midseason, like within the season last year in the NBA. Name those coaches. That's it. 
Not looking anything up. Just name the two coaches that were fired during the season last year. For perspective for listeners, I'm pulling up just a general list of NBA teams just so I'm not, like, completely in the dark. I'm just going to look at the NBA team map and understand what happened for who. And I think I know one of them. And, unfortunately, if I've just got to go two for two, this is just such a tough week, and you're going to get a hard question, too. Uh, Am I supposed to? I'm probably supposed to know this, though. So I'm going to talk out loud for a moment because I clearly Josh has not answered me. So I'm assuming I'm going to have to go two for two. So yes, you do. Like there's no, I said it's an all or nothing. There's no half. It's one point. Like I'm not, we're not going, we're not saying that one of us has half a point. Like we did all of last season again. So Van Gundy, and this is not my answer, but Van Gundy was fired last year from Pelicans or he was, they parted ways. (laughs) I just think it was after the season. We brought up Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, and I think that was in the offseason. I'm just going through the – I think I think Brad Stevens might be one of them. I'm just going to talk out loud for a moment just for the listeners to understand the thought process. I can't even tell you who the Cavs coach Repeat was. the question. Name the two coaches who were fired midseason last year. Oh, man, fired. Okay. This, uh, there's there were so many moves last like this offseason with the coaching carousel was why we did a whole segment on it. I'm just murking that in my head with the season and it's frustrating. Oh, this is kind of making my point for me in that we're not gonna remember that Luke Walton was fired by the Kings two months from now. I like Luke Walton though. Like the whole I brought up the Lakers thing. Like he I, I do too. I like Luke Walton. I just I don't think it's gonna work out for him. Keeps getting hired by teams who don't really have a chance. I really can't. I can't. Dude. Okay. Oh, one of them. Sorry. One of them was Lloyd Pierce. There we go. All right. Gonna be really upset if you didn't. We talked about that one a lot. Yeah. Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Fired Pierce. by the Atlanta Hawks. That's there you go. Yes. I thought that was obvious at least. Um and now here's my back and forth conundrum between Stan Van Gundy and Brad Stevens. I'm pretty sure they let Stan just stink it up the whole year. I'm pretty sure they just let him just continuously dump on that team for the longest possible time. And they probably were fighting. They, by the way, were fighting for the playoffs last year. So it's not even against the testament to Stan Van Gundy. But, oh, dude. While I'm thinking out loud, do we still think this is Greg Popovich's last year to throw on coaches? I'm at least just going to ask the question out loud while I'm looking at this list. Yes. I think so, too. I thought about it yesterday. What a better way to give Becky Hammond a coaching job than to just let her just take the range right over. Yeah. Oh, the Clippers. Who the, who, who the heck coaches the Clippers now? Oh, Chauncey. <laughs> that's, wait, no. Ron Lewis still coaches the Clippers. Oh, that's right. That's right. I think the Brad Stevens thing was midseason. It's Brad Stevens, but he stepped down. No, see, he stepped down. Hold on, back up. He stepped down. Because <laughs> Danny Ainge came about, and then they didn't have a head coach for a while. Wow, so it had to have happened in the offseason. Because I remember, no, it was before the draft. So they did, no, it was in the offseason. It was before the draft. Hold on. All right, here we go. We're talking this out loud, man. There's, dude, I, at this point, after looking at this entire list, it's probably the Cavs, but I don't know who the Cavs coach was or is and is to come. And I just <sighs> – did they fire Scott Brooks in Washington early? 
Oh, did they? Mm. All right, what have I got to lose? Stan Van Gundy, final answer. Stan Van Gundy mutually parted ways with the New Orleans Pelicans following the 2021 season. My second, guess would have been, my second guess would have been whoever the heck that was the Gaps coach. I don't know. I can't remember. I'm actually going to give you, you know what? One more chance. One more guess. And I'll still give you the full point to get it Which right. tells me it was probably the Cavs coach, and I don't remember. Was it? I'm not saying what it was. I'm just am going to give you any chance to name. You have to have the name of the coach. No, you can't look it up. Again, talking out loud here, the Carlisle thing. Carlisle left Dallas in the offseason for sure, but did Indiana fire Bjorken before Carlisle went to Indiana? Oh. Oh. Ding. Light bulb. Was it John Beeline? Was John Beeline the coach of the Cavs last year? Was he not? And then he said he was fired or stepped down. Is that your final answer? Former Michigan. Yeah. I, I do, Josh, I have nothing to lose. I'm only down one with this. So, I mean, at this point, I just got to give you a hard question next week. This wasn't a terrible question, though. I will give you that. Lloyd Pierce was, I pulled the Lloyd Pierce thing out of my, you know, you know what, but I'm so surprised it's John Beeline. I think it's John Beeline. That long. Um, so, John Beeline resigned as head coach of the Cavaliers on February 19th, 2020. Um, so he didn't coach the Cavs last season. Dang it. I was uh, a year back on that. So I gave you another shot because you haven't even come close to who the other name was. Um, in February, uh, prior to the Lloyd Pierce firing in Atlanta, the Minnesota Timberwolves fired head coach Ryan Saunders after a 7-24 and start for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So Ryan Saunders was the answer. Good. Ryan, good. His dad was better. Rest in peace. <laughs> You know what's funny is I don't think the Timberwolves are even on this list that I looked up. Of NBA teams? Oh, I didn't go far enough over. <laughs> well, that'll do it. I'm going to end with right, this. So, uh, following this. that, it's still 3-2. to two. Josh has a lead. He'll get an opportunity for one point with some egregiously hard question, it sounds like, next week. No, I'll just give you two possible answers and make you get them both. Um, <laughs> it'll probably come from uh, – our friends at StatMuse. Shout out to StatMuse. Can you start writing your own questions? Just going to put that out there. Start writing my own questions. Oh, I do. I do try to, but like I get inspiration from places. I don't reach out uh-huh. to them anymore. I haven't done that since last year, but I just, I like giving them a shout out. They're, they're nice fellas. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to throw this at you off the wall since we didn't do it this episode because we jumped right into the Stewart thing because you know, you normally ask me like, oh, how, how, how are you? How was your week? We're recording this the week of Thanksgiving. I at least wanted to throw this in. We're a basketball podcast. Josh, what are you thankful for on the way out? What are you thankful for in your basketball uh, life right now? What am I th- I'm thankful for LaBella Ball. All right. <laughs> this episode's done. I'm, this episode's done. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Can you give me anything better than that? No, it's okay. Better he's, than LaBella Ball? He's worth, he's yeah. worth, he's worth that. Have you're you right. been through my pain, frankly? Yeah. No. <laughs> you're a Lakers fan. I know you haven't. Well, so yes, that, that 2010 decade was ball. pretty bad. That 2010 decade was pretty bad. Y'all made the playoffs in the 2010 decade when we didn't. So, oh, boo hoo. We haven't won a series <laughs> ever. I'll end with my uh, basketball thankful this week. Um, I am thankful that the uh, dark horse favorite, uh, Xavier. I don't even know what their mascot is. I mean, the Wildcats, I think. <laughs> they said here. Uh, the Musketeers. Musketeers. Thank you. I'm, I'm thankful that the best team in Ohio uh, got my prediction right and uh, was able to take down Ohio State, some Big Ten play there. And uh, 
so far, uh, at least it's not anywhere close to March, but I'm writing about college basketball on something. Maybe I'll be right tomorrow when we uh, see the Gonzaga UCLA uh, uh, showdown, I guess I'll call it. So uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, from us to you guys. Uh, uh, tell us what you're thankful for on Twitter. Tell us what you're thankful for when you give us a five-star review, please. Uh, at Two Pointers on Twitter, facebook.com slash Two Pointers Podcast. And uh, TikTok is at the Two Pointers Podcast. Josh, close us out. This has been the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Trevor. And we will see you soon. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.